Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Dan Rhoda, and with me I have Father Anthony Craig. How are you doing today, Father Anthony? Great. Good morning, Dan. I am doing well. Yeah, yeah. It is um, It is Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Easter, yeah. Um, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Uh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that was that. that that's kind of the big thing. We had Holy Week last week, and uh, you made it through. Yes, I'm exhausted, but I'm happy. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. <laughs> not too exhausted though. You know, it's there. There provides. There's a lot of energy that comes after something like that. Great feasts where we have done what we're supposed to do, and you feel great about it because you did it, and you just. I'm, I'm just very happy that uh, it went well. I really do. You know, I came in almost like a backup quarterback, you know, coming in and replacing (laughs) the previous pastor a couple weeks before, you know, the big Paschal mystery of the Triduum, you know. I mean, so I felt like like a backup quarterback coming in like, okay, here we go. Okay, huddle up. (laughs) Here's the play. (laughs) Yeah, Let's go. I know you don't know me well, but here we go, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I thought it went very well. Yeah, yeah, I, I was very pleased. I had great service, deacons, musicians. The sisters were great, the handmaids. Um, I was very, very grateful mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I've, uh, I heard from multiple people who said something along the lines of, like, I haven't been to the whole Triduum for a long time. And I went this year. And it, they were like, yeah, it was a great experience. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, and I think the, like, growing up, I, we usually went to, like, everything except the, like, Holy Thursday. We we didn't normally go to that. Um, so the first time I'd gone to it, I mean, I think we went to a couple times when I was a kid. But that wasn't like a, we didn't go every year. Where, like, I'm pretty sure we went to, like, the Good Friday service every year. So, um, which I, I've even had, you know friends who was like don't really practice anymore who like went out of their way to go to like a good friday service i'm like you know which, which i think is a um you know it's one of those things kind of like ash wednesday is like there's something that like draws people to it there's yeah. something there there is so yeah the power of the symbol you know just power of the symbol the symbol of the ashes the symbol of the cross you know that there's great meaning there. There's almost like still in human nature, even if it's not in strong contact with the sacraments or whatever, it still has this desire for greatness and they can see in these symbols a corresponding fulfillment of it and some reality there. You know, the sacramental mm-hmm. worldview is communicated there and they know that that's built into them a little bit to, to desire, to want, um, to touch, to, to have that reality present in their lives i I think that's that's amazing Mm -hmm. there's a lot more there i'm sure of it yeah uh, yeah yeah growing up we went to all those things my dad's a permanent deacon so we went Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh we went yeah Yeah. (laughs) but they were not domineering about it my parents they were actually much more this is what we do kind of thing this is we we will go and we will go you know it's um i heard many years later some other moms said to her children we have love to give let's go give it you know, and I, I think that's what my parents were communicating. You know, we mm. we love Jesus, so we're gonna go. You know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. How was Easter for you, uh, individually? 
Yeah, it was good. Um, after all the masses um, on Sunday morning, I went to a couple of uh, friends' houses, two different houses, so making the round, so to speak. Um, and it was great celebrations with those families, you know, being a part of their family but belonging to neither family. You know, mm -hmm. it was great. And then I went home to my mom and dad's uh, back in Pequot Lakes and uh, saw some family there, and we had dinner together and prayed evening prayer together because my dad is a deacon, so he prays evening prayer. So we prayed evening prayer of, of Easter Sunday together. And then um, I offered Mass Monday morning there at my, my the house of my childhood, which is kind of cool. It's always cool to mm -hmm. do it there. Um, and then prayed morning prayer, of course, with my parents too. Uh, so that's a, that's a joy for me. That's a great yeah, joy. That's cool. Yeah. And then zoomed back that night. <laughs> I saw yeah. some priest friends of mine too that afternoon. Father Gabriel and uh, Father Jeremy. And uh, we were just sort of hanging out and having tea because Father Gabriel likes tea. Mm -hmm. And he is good at making tea. I had coffee, but he liked tea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, and it was wonderful to just to be with brothers. You know, mm -hmm. they had good triduums as well. You know, God gives a lot of graces to his parishes in that, that time, I'm sure of it. So that was, it was really good. It was good. And then, you know, back in the saddle again. Yeah. You know, get, let's go. Yeah, we, yeah. It was it was nice uh, Tuesday morning for our staff. I mean, we had a nice uh, Easter uh, Easter kind of potluck breakfast. Oh, yeah. And there was a lot a lot of good good food. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, you know, just celebrating the the season of Easter oh it's great uh, and up this upcoming Sunday is divine mercy Sunday uh, so we're going to be having um, uh, kind of like a like I, I, I don't know how, how to describe it but we're having like after mass we're having time for confession and adoration we'll be praying the divine mercy chaplet together and after that at both Holy Family and St Lawrence there's gonna be like a breakfast, brunch type of thing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you can go to mass, stay after for some time of adoration, you know, goodness, grace, and then you can uh, go and eat some breakfast. Oh yeah, so so good. Punctuated by a little, you know, little food for the soul and the body. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be this upcoming Sunday. Um, after both both the the 9 a.m. at Holy Family and the 11 a.m. here, so um, not the Saturday one because the Saturday one is the the vigil. It's not the Sunday. That's at least what we're going with. That's correct. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so so yeah so yeah um that's kind of what's coming up on the horizon. There's also like can uh uh first communion, confirmation like th those are coming up in May. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, ex it's exciting. It's great to do it during the Easter season, too, you know, for those great celebrations of the sacraments, which are the fruits of our Lord, his life and sacrifice for us and his resurrection. So it's, it's great to do them in that season that the church always uh, organizes her uh, celebrations of these liturgies for her children in that joyful Easter season. It's great. You know, just I love it. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, okay, well, so today we're going to be talking about um, like a theological idea 
of uh, what's called the fourth cup. So this is where we're, we're sticking with the Easter theme. And um, let's say basically the idea, uh, it looks at what Jesus did during the Last Supper. So celebrating the Passover and how, um, and really how like what that meant from a Jewish perspective and how from that it kind of changes the way that we look at not only the crucifixion but also the mass so um i'm trying to like give an overview without actually like spoiling anything so (laughs) (laughs) yeah preview not the whole story so so that that's kind of the idea of what we're going to be talking about um the the plan is for this to be like a two-parter so we'll do you know one this week one next week um but this week we kind of want to talk about like the background um, which is going to be mainly be talking about the Jewish perspective of the Passover, um, which is very interesting. So, so we're going to jump into that, but uh, Father, would you open us in a little prayer before we start? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Eternal Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the sacrifice of your Son for our salvation and for our sanctification uh, and for your glory. We thank you for these things. We know that you see us and hear us. We adore you with profound reverence. We ask pardon for our sins and ask you to make our lives fruitful in your service. Mary, our Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, our Universal Patron, St. Lawrence, our Guardian Angels, intercede for us. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Father. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, well, so... To start off, yeah, this idea that we need to understand kind of the Jewish culture and uh, the Jewish tradition, specifically of the Passover, because that's where it all comes from. Um, And to understand the Passover, we first need to understand Exodus, because that's where the Passover comes from. That that is uh, the chapter in the Bible where the Passover happens. So... um, So, yeah, maybe a real quick uh, history history lesson, which I'm going to probably forget some stuff, so fill in, Father Anthony. Um, I will. um, So so the Jewish people uh, get uh, kind of get enslaved by the Egyptians, which, you know, there was like a drought, right? And so the Egyptian people were like, all right, we need to go and get out of, where they were living because we're going to all die here because there's a drought. So they go to Egypt and kind of find refuge. Um, And this is the time where Joseph is like the Egyptians, like Pharaoh's like right-hand man. And so he saves Israel. He's like, no, this is my family. We're cool. Uh, And Israel's saved there. But then over time, there's a new Pharaoh who's like, why are all these Jewish people here? And... I don't like them. So then he enslaves them. Um, and I'm not, I don't, I don't totally remember how long they're there for, but it's like multiple generations. Right? Yeah, it's like 300 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's between 300 and 400 years. It's close to that, that proximity of time. Yeah. And so like one of them, like if you think about like all, everything that can change in 300 years, just culturally, like all the, these Jewish people kind of forget who they are. You know, they're more Egyptian than they are Jewish. And so, the Lord sees this and he wants to call his people back to him. And so 
Uh, so basically, he's just like, hey, Moses, I want to get these my, my people out of Egypt. or uh, and, and kind of specifically, it's kind of interesting, the wording that he uses right away, because he's like, first, like, go to Pharaoh and tell him that I want my people to worship me. Like, not that he wants them to be free from slavery, which he does, but he's like, what more importantly, I want them to worship me. Like, they can stay in Egypt, but they have to worship me, which... I think God also knows, like, that's Pharaoh's not going to let that happen. So, um, But it's kind of him proving, like, worshiping me is more, and being enslaved is better than being free and not worshiping me, right? So um, so uh, Pharaoh says no, and then this is kind of when he goes, God brings, like, the ten plagues upon Egypt. And the last one, which is the plague of the, um, the death of the firstborn, is where we get Passover. So if you remember this, this is where um, the Lord gives Moses instructions where he's like, everyone take um, a lamb and it has their specific rules that go with the with what you have to do. And we can go over that too. Um, he says, take a lamb, you know, kill it, sacrifice it, take the blood and put over the doorposts. And then um, in the night, my I will like send my spirit and it will kill the firstborn, the firstborn male of every family, uh, unless there is the blood of the lamb over its doorpost, then I will pass over uh, that house. So that's like the idea there. And so that was remembered as Passover. And then, uh, yeah, after that, Pharaoh's like, all right, get out of Egypt. And then the Jewish people are free. Uh, so... I don't know, is, there, is there anything you want to add to the overview of of that? No, that's the that's the overview. I mean, the uh, Passover night was just a big one. I mean, shoot, that's that's a big plague when you look at a plague. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you had to eat the lamb too. You know, if you don't eat it, if you don't like lamb. I don't like lamb. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't like it. You wake up the next morning, your older brother's going to be dead. You know. No skin off my neck. I, I was the fifth born, so I'm like, well, it'd be <laughs> tough for my older brother Matt, though. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. but but that's that's a big deal, you know. And and um, yeah, that's that's the overview, though. Like, it was a serious thing. Um, yeah, a po- powerful night, really. One big night. Yeah, and maybe let, let's talk a little bit about the like ritual of the Passover, because yeah, it's not just that. The Lord says, hey, I'm going to send my spirit and just take, like, kill the firstborn of the Egyptians. He's like, no, it's going to it's gonna hit everyone mm-hmm. unless you do these specific rituals, which I think there's something there where it's not just, I'm going to pass over the Jews and it's the plague's going to affect all the Egyptians. It's everyone, which is intri- intriguing. It is. And then, and then you know he gives them this very specific uh, ritual. So this is Exodus chapter twelve, which is pretty long. So we're not going to just read it all. But there's certain things like the Lord says to Moses and Aaron um, that uh, on the tenth of this month, every family must procure for itself a lamb, one a piece for a piece for each household. 
Um, and then it goes on to say, the lamb must be a year-old male without blemish, uh, with no broken bones, and then you must keep it until the 14th day. And then it goes on to say, you know, um, during the evening, um, evening twilight, it will be slaughtered, uh, take blood, put it applied to do two doorposts and the lintel of the houses. Um, they will consume its meat that same night, um, eating it roasted. And it's like you can't eat it raw or boiled, but you have to roast it. Um, and then it's just all very specific things. And it's like if there's anything left over, it must be burned up before morning comes. And so there's all these very specific things. And that's even like how you're supposed to eat it. With your loins girt, sandals on your feet, and staff in hand, you will eat it in a hurry. So just all these super particular instructions. Why is that? Yeah, it's, I mean, our Lord seems to, as he instructs Moses and Aaron, seems to um, set out an actual ritual for them to follow um, so that they can attach to... um, an order of events, you know, this is how you're going to do it. And the instruction comes from God, not from a messenger, so it's kind of really direct. Um, And this is how you're going to do it. And it's really helpful for us to have rituals. I mean, it's built into human nature to like rituals in many ways, right? Before uh, we leave our house, we have lots of rituals, you know, which includes coffee and things like that. Right, uh, and then at the end of the day, we have these rituals: brushing our teeth, doing this certain toiletries and things. Like it's a ritual, you could call it. You know, it's an, not instructions given by God, but it's like, well, this helps me. You mm-hmm. know, so He's helping them. <laughs> you know, this is this is what you're going to do, um, and that that ritual is is symbolic too. You know, there's symbol symbolism like built into all these things because it commemorates. They're, they're coming departure, too. You know, sandals on your feet, you're going to be ready to go. It's, you're going to look like you're ready to go um, because that's what this means, too, that I want to rescue you from this, this slavery. Yeah, and, and there's even some uh, words or ideas that I think for most people, they're like, oh, I'm, I've heard that before. You know, if you think about, like, oh, um, you must procure a lamb, like, without blemish and no, no broken bones. It's like, oh, people have probably heard that over the last week. They're like, oh, that was said about Jesus when he was on the cross. Yeah. You know, so it's like, oh, th- th- there's a connection there, and that's kind of foreshadowing what we talk about next week. Um, but there's just certain things uh, that stick out, and then, you know, it goes on to say, like, they eat unleavened bread. It's like, oh, okay, I've heard that before. Like, you know, so a lot of these ideas sound very familiar to, to us in the modern Christian world. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, yeah, these roots are, are mm-hmm. so good for us to understand. Like, uh, our Jewish roots, um, the more we understand them, the more powerful what we do becomes, you know, and our minds are, are sort of freed from its, you know, ignorant constraints. It, it's freed. You know, the more we know about our faith, the more we know of you know, some theology. You don't have to be a expert or have a degree. You don't need that. But just the more we understand, it seems like that brings more freedom in our prayer. More that we understand, then understanding leads to greater love. You know, we can't love what we don't know. Mm-hmm. These roots are super powerful. I think they're, yeah, I'm excited. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, it's, it, this, is, this is good. Uh, 
And if we go to verse 24 of chapter 12, this is kind of where the Lord tells them, like, you will keep this practice forever as a, st- as a statute for yourselves and for your descendants. Uh, thus, when you have entered the land which the Lord will give you, as he promised, you must observe this right. And so it's kind of the Lord saying this isn't just a one-time thing. Like, you will uh, you will continue this practice. Um, and And maybe, you know, now would be a good time, Father, if you want to talk about, like, just the idea of sacrifice for, like, within the Jewish culture and how, like, I think when we, like, in the modern world think of sacrifice, it's like, oh, that's, the, that's, a, that's like a, a, bad, a bad thing. Do it like, like, if we think of, like, animal sacrifice, we're like, oh, that's, like, some weird thing that, uh, like, nomadic people do or, 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 or something. But I, I don't think we really understand what like the scriptures mean by that yeah and and not concentrating too much on chapter 12 for this moment but like this this is big for the life of of jews sacrifice um was involved with everything as it developed too so this is like the beginnings of it for the jewish people the beginnings of the reality of sacrifice more and more obviously we've already seen some of that in genesis the sacrifice of isaac you know, Abraham's son, and things like that that are already there. This one becomes ritualized, you know, for a people, not just for one person or whatever. And the Old Testament has as a central theme sacrifice. You know, sacrifice is so big. Sacrifice just comes from two words, sacrificere, which means holy, uh, to make holy, you know. Um, and it has, you know, several meanings, but... The two meanings that the Jews had, you know, if we're looking at our Jewish roots um, as a Catholic people, uh, more specifically, there's two meanings to sacrifice. One was a symbolic one, um, which really meant, um, you know, the ritualized self-offering. What's happening here by rights should happen to me, you know, when they were offering animals Mm -hmm. at the, the temple. And then typological, which would mean just this prefigures things, this foreshadows things, you know. And for them, the sacrifices that they made, the sacrifice of Passover too, was a prefigurement of the Messianic age where they would be rescued truly from Egypt or from oppressors. And the effects, though, were, yeah, representation, you know. This, is, this represents me in some ways, you know. And us as a people, you know, through sacrifice we are saved. Through sacrifice, we are spared. Um, and then mediation between me and God, I'm going to do this. That's another effect of the uh, of the sacrifice. And then, you know, permit me to say a f- few more words. Now, there's a lot more that I might repeat next week about this because of the literal, you know, connections with, with Jesus. Uh, but, you know, they had several kinds of animals then for sacrifice. Tonight we're talking about an unblemished lamb. Today we're talking about that. That was one of the forms of sacrifice. There were five kinds of animals, though, they, they used eventually as it developed in sacrifice. One was oxen, sheep, goats, turtle doves, and then um, two or pigeons, you know, young pigeons. The layman, you know, for much sacrifice that they would offer would like 
He would lay his hands on the animal, confess his sins to a priest, slay the victim, skin the victim, then cut it up and wash the innards. It was like, whoa, this is a lot. You know, and these were laid out in the book of Leviticus mostly. So I'm getting, I'm kind of foreshadowing what this will mean for the people of, of Israel, for the Jewish people. Um, and the priest was there to catch the blood in a gold or silver basin and sprinkle it upon the altar, then light a fire, cut the pieces up, you know, if they hadn't been fully cut, and then burn them, you know, to burn them. So that's actually foreshadowed here in Exodus 12 where it says, all right, roast the lamb, mm -hmm. you know, roast it. Um, there's a lot of uh, symbols there with, you know, <laughs> you know, this burnt offering to the Lord, you know. Um, and then, this is really cool about, about sacrifice. You know, one was, one type of sacrifice was that it expressed communion with God. You know, by, by the Israelites and by the Jewish people doing this in Exodus 12 too, they're expressing their communion with God because they have received this with him and they're responding back with a positive, I'm going to follow this, you know, and it's going to save us. It's going to save my son, you know. Um, and it expresses communion with him. And they had, you know, subcategories of those those sacrifices that expressed communion with God, like a whole burnt offering. You know, that was like, it meant a total self-surrender to God, um, which was a lamb unblemished, a total self-surrender to you. We are in your hands, Lord. You know, that that's what it meant. Um, and then a bread offering was another one. That was fascinating, too, because it included unleavened bread, oil, and wine poured out also with the other offerings. And then there was a peace offering, which is foreshadowed in the ver first verse. That's what they're doing here in Exodus 12, is a peace offering. You know, that's actually a big part of where that comes from, is Exodus 12, 1 through 11. Um, then the second type of a sacrifice, there are some that, you know, express communion with God, and then there's some that restore communion with God. And that that was a sin offering, you know, much much like the Jewish people still do on Yom Kippur, you know, in in a symbolic manner because they have no temple now. But um, it was an atonement or at one minute with God, you know, for the sake of the offender. So it was it was a sin offering. Blood was poured out and the fat was burned. The fat's the good part of the meat, right? I mean, that's that's another part of it. Actually, Leviticus 3.16 should be just as popular. You know, Dr. Brant Petrie, one of the guys I follow a lot um, with theological readings and stuff, he talks about uh, Leviticus 3.16 being more popular than John 3.16 someday. You know, and I'm, so I'm like, well, what does that say? And then yeah. uh, I looked it up and it said, all fat belongs to the Lord. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> all fat belongs to the Lord. Um, so that, that's part of the sin offering. And then the guilt offering. You know, for one specific event, uh, an offense against the Lord, this was kind of a subcategory of a sin offering. And this was offered um, for, for one specific event, and there would be one particular victim, you know, one of the oxen or sheep or goats. And if it was an oxen, it was like, who, what, did that, what did that guy do, you know? <laughs> He's bringing an oxen into the temple area. But, you know... Um, the, the idea of sacrifice was a huge part of their life. And other religions had similar kinds of sacrifices. They were, they were different uh, because their instructions did not come from God. You know, that's an interesting part. 
you know, these, this instruction here, as it begins this ritualized form, is coming straight from God to Moses and Aaron. You know, that's, that's a big uh, difference. The others were just sort of trying to do it um, based on some other incantations of some of their priests and such. But ours, ours comes from God himself. You know, this, this is what's kind of powerful, too, um, to see that when we do this, we are following what the Lord said. So we are offering ourselves. Um, and we're doing this, this ritualized meal um, as a way of, of saving us. And then spreading the blood on the doorposts and lintel of the house, you know, there's a bit of a cross that is formed if you do that, right? Mm-hmm. It's like crosses would be there on the night of the first Passover. I mean, Orthodox Jews still do this, you know. They, uh, you know, the, the event and celebration of the Passover that liturgy was was celebrated in the homes of the the Jewish people, and in the homes they, they would form a household. So when Jesus and the apostles were gathering for the Last Supper in the city of Jerusalem, and this is why Jews went up to the city of Jerusalem too, is that they would come into the walls of the city. Maybe I'm getting too far ahead. Uh, I, this is good. This is okay. good. Yeah. Well, they all come into the walls of the city of Jerusalem, and they, they remember this flight of Egypt from the Israelites leaving Egypt and being saved by God through these sacrifices. So they, they, they all come together. There would be something like a million Jews inside the city of Jerusalem at the Feast of Passover. Jew, Jesus and his apostles did the same thing that other people did, gathered in either upper rooms or lower rooms you know, in their houses, and celebrated this, and the father of the family would then act as the priest for his family, and he would lead the Passover liturgy that was laid out here, you know, and they would commemorate, and the Jews today even say this, Orthodox Jews say this, we too came up out of Egypt, out of that land of slavery, you know, they say it, so they were using their memories to spiritually and really participate in the event that occurred several thousand years before they are even, you know, taking on breath. So it was a way that they participated in it. Um, That's how memory works. You know, memory is a very powerful thing for a Jew. And it's a powerful thing for a Christian now. You know, we should have the same mentality about the faculty of memory that all of us have, or at least most of us have. I mean, all of us really do Mm -hmm. have it there, whether it works well or not, you know. (laughs) Um, It's a faculty of the soul. And it's there to help us, you know, within ourselves, we can call up memories of our loved ones, and it can elicit within us a change. You know, we can be sad. We can be happy. Memory calls this up, and the memory of a person that we know, you know, and they don't maybe exist in the on earth living anymore physically, but they're really present to us by memory, and that that then can change us. It can change us. Like this is what the Jews remembered: this great rescue of their people. You know, you talked about Joseph and. And his brothers, you know, before when they first went to Egypt, there were only 70 Jews living in in the world. You know, all these different events, they were saved, they were retained as a people um, by God and, and in communion with them, even when it seemed dire, you know. But memory was so important for them to call this to mind. 
So Jesus and his apostles gather in the upper room. They formed a family unit. And within Judaism, it was a legitimate uh, unit. It was called a habiruth. A habirua is another way to say that. That's kind of a rough uh, you know, rendering of the Hebrew. I never studied Hebrew, but I, I know enough where it's like, all right, that's what it is. You know, The habiruth was a, was a family unit where people were not tied by blood necessarily. But they gathered as a family to celebrate and offer the Passover meal. Mm-hmm. So it was a legitimate unit within uh, Judaism that they formed in that upper room, you know. And they, they celebrated this Passover with some different elements this time. And I won't get too far into that, will mm-hmm. I? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think that's, like, something that took me, like, way too long to, like, totally come and understand is that, like, Oh, Jesus is like Jesus is celebrating the Passover during the Last Supper. Like, like that took way too long for me to, to like totally comprehend. Like, he's doing what everyone else is doing. Like, he was like prescribing to the law. You know, like he was he was living it out. Um, and and then also like if you, like this was something that like everyone did. It's it it's it's not necessarily just like oh this is like a thing that you should do. But it's like no, th- this is this is what we do as a Jewish people every year. And then and, and there's and there's multiple other times throughout the Bible that there's like references to celebrating the Passover, which, you know, if the the history of the Jews is kind of like freedom slavery, freedom slavery, freedom <laughs> slavery, like to a certain extent. Um so th- there definitely is there's there's periods where they don't celebrate the Passover because they're you know enslaved by Babylon, right? But then when they get freed, like there's there's um there's verses of like reinstating the Passover sacrifice. So um, I just think that's like very interesting. Yeah, and also seeing Jesus like Jesus actually doing that. So. Yeah. Yeah, the, the cups that he he does too, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so we'll we'll talk a little bit about the, uh, like what the the Passover actually looked like, which which I mean I I don't know if you, like understand more of like everything that happened, but there's very specific things, and this this like a lot of these ideas come from Scott Hahn, who he's done a ton of research into, uh, the Jewish understanding of the Passover um, because as you know as as even when you look at like our rituals so like the mass the mass has changed over time and so has the Passover but that doesn't make it not liturgical or ri- the, the same ritual right and so um, and so like what, what the current way that the Passover is celebrated isn't the exact way that the first one was celebrated but there's a lot of things that, uh, that kind of using that memory like mean and symbolize and mean something that happened in that original one. So, um, and 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 some of this too, like if anyone's done the, like, a seder meal or like the Passover meal, like that's basically what this is. Um, which is kind of funny when I was I was listening to like. A Scott Hahn talk on this like last week and he was basically saying like yeah as Catholics we probably shouldn't do that and I was like 
oh, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard the same caution. Which 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 he 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 didn't say like oh you can't do it, but it's kind of, but he kind of. Uh, yeah, just the way he talked about it. I was like, oh, I've never heard that before. That like, it was like, oh, like that's their, like, liturgical practice that we're kind of in- infringing on. And I was just like, oh, wow, that's, I've never heard that before. Yeah, right. I mean, we we should maybe familiarize mm-hmm. with it, mm-hmm. ourselves with it. And, and, and I, I think that's, to a certain extent, what we're trying to do, because it is so, it is very interesting. Um, and it's not, you know, it doesn't mean that we can't, we can't do it, but it's just like, but maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> up, up for debate still. Up for, yeah. Open theological <laughs> question. Because even uh, he was making a claim. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, it's just, and it's good to respect, mm-hmm. you know, those yeah. differences. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was more out of like a respect for their tradition. And, um, and it's kind of saying like, if somebody like did their own version of the mass like that's kind of what it is i was like oh that's yeah that's that that's not good you're right i don't want to be doing but, that but but um but yeah so i don't know that's that's a a topic for another day i guess indeed but um but but if you have done the seder meal like that is probably more along the lines of what it kind of currently looks like where a lot of it is like you're um you know there's like the leader who is kind of taking the role of like the priest or like even if it was like the you know the father of the, the family unit kind of takes that that priestly role within the family so it's like Jesus he's kind of taking the the priestly role within the last supper which is something that we'll talk about next week uh so you go through you know certain kind of like a uh you go through some readings and there's certain aspects that talk about you know you eat uh you eat unleavened bread you eat bitter herbs which they all symbolize something of the last supper right mm-hmm. um but the big thing and this was the same when Jesus celebrated it was that there was four cups that were drank so uh there's four like kind of parts to it uh the first one consisted of the uh, festival blessing. So this was spoken over the first cup of wine. And then following is when you had the dish of bitter herbs. The second part or like the second course was, um, uh, included like reciting the Passover narrative and what's called the, the, the little Hallel, um, which, uh, which do you know what that, that means? Yeah. I mean, the Hallel Psalms are a section of the Psalms, so the Little Hallel okay. is one of them. Um, Which is, is that that uh, there's a note that says Psalm one thirteen. Yes. So yes. Okay. So and then it goes all the way up to Psalm one nineteen. So one thirteen through one nineteen would be the Hallel Psalms, and the Hallel Psalms were were used throughout. You know, mm-hmm. um, it has it. It's great. So yeah, one thirteen would it was kind of a nickname for it, I guess. Okay. Is the Little Hallel. Okay. And so while that was going on, that's when they would drink the second cup of wine. Uh, the third course was the main meal consisting of lamb and unleavened bread, um, after which was drunk the, the third cup of wine, also known as the cup of blessing, which you, um, which that is referenced 
in I can't remember which one of the like Last Supper narratives, but in one of them it talks about the cup of blessing, right? Which, which I mean, for most people, you might recognize that term, cup of blessing, and be like, oh, I've heard that in the Mass before, right? And then the Passover is um, kind of climaxed with the the singing of the great Hallel. So this is Psalms 114 through 118, and then drinking of the fourth cup of wine. And did, did you pull them up right there? I did. Okay. Because I love them. I love these Psalms. So they, you know, Hallel just really means um, praise to the Lord, just like Alleluia. That's kind of where we get it. We get it from the word Hallel. Um, I actually knew a sister one time. Her name was Sister Hallel. Oh, nice. That is the coolest thing. (laughs) Your name means praise to the Lord. That's great. Um, And they would do this every time, you know, the singing of the Hallel Psalms. And foreshadowing a little bit, Jesus was singing this with his apostles. Just imagine to... I mean, we've heard beautiful singers, right? But the singing of Jesus, these psalms. We should have great affection when we read these psalms or hear them at Mass. You know, any of these psalms, 113 through 118, 119, to kind of just with great reverence. Now, this is cool. This is in Psalm 116. I just have to say this. I, this is slightly, it's related, obviously, but this is what they sang. Mm-hmm. This is what they, the Jews would sing. And... And this is what Jesus sang with his apostles. You know, oh, Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. Um, And it goes on. But I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. And Jesus knows who he's talking about there. He's singing about Mary. Jesus, on the night of the Last Supper, singing about Mary. And his voice. I mean, just just to sit with that in prayer would be sweet. I've done a little bit of it. And mm-hmm. it's just great. And then they go out, right? They go out. Yeah, yeah. And so this, I, I mean, I guess we, we can kind of close up this this week's episode. And But, but, but to foreshadow next week's, um, they don't finish this. No, they don't. Which is, like, and again, this isn't just, like, um, it's not just something that was like, oh, yeah, let's, uh, hey, does anyone want, want to do the Passover? And then they're, like, getting together, and then they're, like, three quarters of the way through it, and they're like, oh, you know, let's go out and toss the football around or something. Like, it's not, it's not just, like, like, a family reunion type of thing where they're getting together and be like, oh, let's go, let's go, you know, finish the game before we, you know, finish dishes or something. Like, like this is a a, a liturgy. This, this, so th- this would be like going to mass, and then you know after uh, after the like sign of peace, everyone's just like, all right, let's yeah. go, uh, let's go out and let's go out to the garden. Yeah, like like that, like that's what it's like. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was abrupt. The the way our Lord just goes out after that, the, the singing of the psalms, and then then they're gone. Then they go mm-hmm. out through the, the valley of the Kidron um, and into the garden. You know, like, that would have been like, yeah, leaving it the sign of peace. Like, there's an important part to come. Mm-hmm. We just missed it. Now, there's speculation among theologians, like, maybe maybe he just forgot, you know. <laughs> but there's no way mm-hmm. this, this ritual is laid out. It's, it's clear. 
what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe the apostles were nervous. They didn't like say it to him. But it would be like the the bit, the Pope forgetting the words of institution at the Eucharist. It's like, whoa, somebody should step in and yeah. say, hey, we, we got something to do. Yeah. Well, and and the, the, there are you know words. It, it, it's not just. It's not like he just gets up and leaves too. True. Like he he says after which which you know um, which we can get into more of this next week. Um, but after the third cup is drank, the the cup of blessing, he says, "I will not drink again of the cup of the vine until like I enter the kingdom of heaven." Yeah. And it's like. And again, as as Christians, we can hear that and be like, "Yeah, sure, got it," you know. But 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 then when you have it within the like, when you use the, the point of view that like, "Oh no," but he is abruptly stopping this Passover liturgy, like that's not what was normally done. Yeah, they already saw some so. changes too in this ritual, right? Mm-hmm. He says, "This is my body." I mean, that was a big change. That's a radical change. And then he says, "This." You know, I will not eat, drink again of the fruit of the vine until I eat it or drink it in the kingdom of heaven. Those are radical changes. They're recognizing these are radical changes that Jesus is is doing. Yeah. And so maybe, for, you know, for next week, uh, you can have, have some homework and you can, uh, you know, read through some of the, the last, pass, last, uh, last Supper kind of Passover narratives, which I don't Is there like, is there one that's like the one? that most of the theologians use to study this? You know, um, Matthew 26, 26 is an easy one to remember for people. Matthew 26, 26. Um, It's kind of in the middle of it, but if you want to go verses before, you know, that's where he kind of says, um, you know, go into the city to such a person and say to them, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep Passover in your house. So those things preface it and yeah. kind of lead you into it. But Matthew twenty six twenty six is a good one, um, as well as Luke twenty two, um, starting really with the preparation of the Passover is verse seven. Um, Jesus institutes the Eucharist. Then like seven verses later, um, so Luke twenty two, um, seven and following, Luke twenty two and Matthew twenty six. Those are those are. Where you want to go? Yeah. So, so yeah, I would, you know, I would encourage you to go read through those, um, and and kind of, you know, just think about them, pray with them. Um, you could even go to the uh, Hallel Psalms, so Psalm one thirteen through one nineteen. You could read those and just just kind of let them sink in and think about it. And then next week we're gonna we're gonna uh, get real nerdy and bring it all together. And um, and talk about like okay yeah wh- why did Jesus do things differently, and then uh, like what did that what what does that mean for us Yeah what is that fourth cup What does that look like Yeah yeah So so yeah it's you know it's it's very it's very interesting uh, we're, we're both like getting nerdy about it So we hope you guys are uh, have have been enjoying it and um, and yeah and we'll. Um, yeah, we'll look forward to, to sharing the rest uh, next week. Absolutely. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit, actually. I'm like, man, I won't do it now, but <laughs> I'll wait. I'll wait. So, uh, so great. So thank you all for listening. Uh, go do your homework for this week, and we will catch you next week.